1: From inside my dorm room at St. John Fisher University, Bill's training camp is underway, and this is our favorite time of the year. Ryan, this is our first post-practice edition of the Shout Observation Show. So much to get into today. We're gonna, we're gonna get through all of it. I got a full notebook. I, I got four pages chock full of notes uh, from the first practice today that we're gonna make our way through here today. It's exciting, man. I mean, it's. Football's back in the air, kind of. Pads aren't on yet, probably not until Sunday, uh, but exciting
0: nonetheless. How are you, Ryan? Hey, I'm doing great, and you know, I can feel feel training camp. I see the dorm room behind you. I see those beautiful dressers and uh, the (laughs) computer desk. You are ready and raring to go. Can't wait to get into today's practice. Let's get started.
1: (laughs) I am. And we're going to get, uh, take a deep dive into this thing here. But if you want an immediate deep dive, you need to be signed up for shout, uh, Buffalo Bills insiders text. And it's, it's awesome. I and mean, we've been, uh, talking back and forth with folks all day long today already. Uh, head over to joinsubtext.com backwards slash shout Buffalo Bills, um, that'll take you to our page and you can put your number in, you become an insider. It's everything that you want. It's instant observations, feedback from practices. Um, uh, more will come throughout the day today. And then, you know, if you have questions, follow up questions, you have that easy access to, to us. Ryan, you've been going through uh, some of the responses all day. We're going to actually cover some of the questions that we received back from the observations in the show today.
0: Yeah, listen, Bill's Mafia It was awesome to watch live to see Matt drop those observations shortly after practice is over to see your responses. And uh, that's how this is going to work. You know, we will get back to your individual responses as well in the text. But we're going to say, hey, we talked about it on Shout. We used your question as a talking point and and kind of uh, lead you in the direction here, but also answer your question after the fact. But we see all the questions. We've loved the interactions. Like Matt said, join us in the Shout Insider Text Group.
1: Yeah. And all you have to do to do it is text 716 528 6727. 716 528 6727. That'll lock you in. We are so thankful and grateful for all the people that have, uh, you know, tried this thing out this week to see how it goes, brings us closer together. We're excited about it. All right. Stefan Diggs stepped to the podium today. And um, it was the first official press conference. We were doing the math since December of last year. He did some media during the Super Bowl um, talking about some of his frustrations from last season, but today was the first real day where he addressed everything. And, you know, my biggest takeaway is Stefan Diggs is an ultra competitive person, right? We've talked about this a ton. And I think in hindsight, I also think back to all of the coverage that this has received and all the time that we've spent talking about this. And I wonder if maybe it wasn't a little bit overkill. Because, you know, Donnie mentions it here in the YouTube chat. Uh, How how about you take him for his word and stop making hay? Uh, That would be uh, refreshing. I, for one, feel much better after hearing his press briefing. And yeah, it's like sometimes the details that are happening behind the scenes might just be as simple as he wants to win. He wants to make sure the Bills are doing everything they can to win. And one phrase that he used a couple times in the press conference today really stood out to me, Ryan. He said, I have more football behind me than I have in front of me. And I think that's what this is really boils down to. It's a guy that is feeling the footsteps of father time, knowing that you only have so many cracks at this thing. This is a really good team with the coaches, the players. Stefan Diggs mentioned that. And he wants to make sure everybody is doing what they need to do to win right now, because he may not have uh, many more opportunities at this thing.
0: Yeah. And I like what he said about family and, you know, he, we all have family members that we, we sometimes don't see eye to eye with on things and we talk it out and we, we, we work things out. Sean McDermott having that open door policy and he just, it was a good way for him to vent his frustrations, but you're right. I mean, father time is undefeated. Obviously certain positions can play longer in this league, but at wide receiver generally, once you get that 30 year old mark, that's when things start to go downhill and, You know, he knows that time is approaching more years behind him than in front of him, like you just said. And they've been so close. They've been to the AFC championship game. They've been AFC East winners the past uh, three seasons, you know, right in the mix, the Super Bowl favorites last year. And they've fallen short. So uh, he just wants them to be able to get over that hump. And and he wanted to vent that frustration. Definitely seems like water under the bridge. And it's, it's kind of a moot point at this point to even... Uh, address it anymore in terms of what was wrong and things like that because I think he did a great job today with the media in terms of answering every question they had but also really elaborating on where he was coming from.
1: Yeah, and I think he also interesting to get a little bit more of you know the Minnesota piece to this whole thing. First of all, for Bill's fans, there's got to be a level of comfort knowing that Diggs wants to be here, right? 100% still wants to retire as a Bill. This hasn't moved him off of this, this whole situation and To your point about like families, like families get into arguments, right? Like, you know, you fight with brothers and sisters, your parents, like that type of stuff happens. And, you know, I think it, it made a, a, it meant a lot to digs that McDermott owned the fact that he made a misspoke on that first day that kind of sent this whole thing into a tailspin. And, you know, they came back to the table, talk things through, and you're going to have to do that over the course of time. He went into the Minnesota situation saying, listen, I wasn't happy with certain things. And he ne- said he never really took a deep dive talking about it publicly, but you know, he can make a demand for a trade, but in the end, a team has to end up trading him. And I thought that that was interesting because maybe what he was trying to get at was that it wasn't going to work as it stood right. Like in Minnesota. And I think the proof is in the pit pudding. They had to rebuild in a lot of ways. Uh, I know they had the quarterback, but they still have been trying to move parts around and they've kind of been in that, Kind of like cement block, even since they moved on from, from Diggs, in like the same situation. And I think he saw that he learned from that, and it's like, do, do do I want my team that I'm with now, if you're Diggs, to fall into that same pattern? And I think maybe this was his way of applying a little bit of pressure, needed or not, just to try to guard against them falling back. And I think it, it's also comforting if you're a Bills fan, knowing that any perceived or real problem between him and Josh Allen, even throughout all of this thing, he said, that's still his guy. And they, and they have a close relationship, which I think Ryan, this could propel them to a new level, you know, as a group, Ken Dorsey, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. I put a video up on Twitter today of Diggs and um, Ken Dorsey coming together with a little fist bump at the end of a play as Josh Allen was kind of working with him on a couple of reps during the early parts of practice And you wonder if maybe this doesn't galvanize them entirely as a group.
0: Yeah, it brings them closer together, essentially. And uh, you you mentioned it and you put it together really well on his time in Minnesota. You know, they were kind of in the mix, but they were never really the favorites. They're never viewed as being a legitimate contender. He just doesn't want that to happen, to waste this opportunity after he feels like the team is where it should be roster wise and the coaching where it is, where it should be. Uh, to get you to a Super Bowl he just wants them to get over that hump and obviously you know come playoff time there's luck involved there's health involved there's a lot of little things that haven't gone the Bills way uh, the past few seasons that generally goes the way of the eventual Super Bowl winners but he just didn't want a, a Minnesota situation to kind of take place once again and Uh, Obviously, the situation in Minnesota was a little bit different. He did feel a little underappreciated there, like he wasn't the the main guy at that time. And here he clearly is. But uh, there's enough parallels between his first spot in the NFL to where he is now, where he just wants to make the most of the situation and and make sure that uh, they can eventually bring a Super Bowl championship to Buffalo.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to move past this. Um, I I think that it's gotten its proper place. Everybody has kind of turned the page, as will we, in the notebook to get to some of these um, observations from uh, today's practice. And I think the best place to start is at the cornerback spot because, to me, for my money, as much as middle linebacker is intriguing, I think bigger picture, the cornerback to result I don't want to say it means more, but it's like it has more impact for me right now because what it could potentially mean for Kyrie Elam moving forward. And we saw today, and one of the good new uh, new pieces um, to this year's camp, and I think we got to do it at, for a portion of last year's camp, when there are open practices, we can talk about who lined up where and for which team, which is, an, is exciting because we can get into kind of the details of all of this. And today at cornerback, for the majority of practice, it was Dane Jackson lining up with the ones across from Tredavious White. But Christian Benford and Kyler Elam got sprinkled in and Benford made what I think was the play of the day. Josh Allen going back to pass, surveying in the red zone, looking for a target, locked in on Stefan Diggs, tried to force it, feed it in there, can't get it in. And it is Christian Benford stepping up, making a huge play. And it's like, This is the Benford story, Ryan. I feel like we are a broken record. Every practice, he shows up, makes a play or two. He had another, I think, PBU at some point in the practice, but he comes to compete. No pads on, doesn't matter. Christian Benford is going to be in your face. He's going to try to be as physical as he can be. He's going to try to mix it up and make a play, and he did in the practice setting today. And I think in a lot of ways, we're going to talk about Josh Allen's day, but it, it wasn't great. And to me, that happened in the second red zone period. And some of the the bad throws that we're going to talk about from Allen came later on. And I wonder how much Benford picking that ball off, setting a tone for the defense impacted things for this practice. A big play and a notch in the notebook for Christian Benford.
0: Yeah, great uh, opening practice moment for Benford to have that interception. And in our uh, insider group, our friend Mark, was a little frustrated uh, to hear about Elam and, and Benford not getting the majority of those uh, first-team reps opposite of Trey White. But, you know, this is kind of the M.O. of Sean McDermott. He's going to, you know, give those first-team reps out of the gate to those veterans guys that know the system, guys that have been there before. So uh, for anyone that is reading, you know, don't read too much into these early practices, I guess, is the best way of putting it. You know, Dane Jackson is a solid cornerback. Maybe he ends up winning that job, but, when you have Benford and Elam getting sprinkled in here and there, and then I, you know, in the case of Benford specifically, uh, notching that interception, that's stacking a big play that the coaching staff's going to remember. And uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, it's more of a, a timeshare there for Benford, and Elam can get right up there as well. Uh, long story short, there's going to be a lot of roster shuffling in terms of who's lining up with the first team, who's lining up with the second team. And it's good though, to hear that Benford in year two is coming out right out of the gate hot for this team and, and staking his claim to say, I deserve that job opposite Trey white.
1: Yeah. And I asked Brandon Bean today, uh, specifically about Elam and, you know, because I wanted to ask it in a little bit of a different way, but I wanted to present it first and then maybe follow up. I didn't get a chance to follow up. So maybe we'll do that at a, at a later press conference. But I asked him about like, okay, what can you pinpoint one reason why Elam hasn't ascended or taken that CB2 job yet? I mean, if you look across this roster, there's plenty of examples of first round draft picks under Bean and McDermott that have started early on. I mean, Greg Russo, Tradavius White, Probably the two easiest ones, you know, that are right there in front of your face. Obviously, Josh Allen, Um, a little bit different when it comes to quarterback. But he said, listen, it's it comes into guys take different uh, the time it takes them to um, acclimate. It's different for every single person. And I don't know if we necessarily projected enough how difficult it was going to be for him going Kair from a prime predominantly man scheme in college to the zone responsibilities that he's asked to do here. And, you know, shout out to the cover one guys, Eric Turner and Anthony Prohaska. They had on Kyer Elam uh, a couple weeks ago. And I listened back to it. And and one of the things that Kyer talked about is, is having the reps and how much more comfortable he feels this spring compared to even last season. And I feel like you're going to see incrementally over the course of camp. And then over the course of the season, him get more comfortable in that spot. The thing is, the Bills aren't going to wait for it. I think they're making that you know, clear. They're going to play the, the best guy right now. I think it's a little bit of a risk only from the from the standpoint of like, all right, how long can you string this out to where it doesn't start affecting Elam's confidence? And I guess you can't worry about that if you're the organization because you are in a Super Bowl window and you need the best player at that spot. But at the same time, if I'm Sean McDermott, this is my only plea as somebody that, you know, for the fan base who, you know, obviously have high hopes for the, for Kyrie Elam. The only thing would be is like if it's close, even if it's close, I think Elam being a first round pick should tick him up enough to put him over the other two only because of what the potential is there. If he does get the reps and does kind of finally start to figure it out because he was doing a lot of good things last year, despite being up against it from a feel from a technique perspective. And so now if you give him more chances, maybe that comfort level yields more results.
0: Yeah. You know, maybe it, the zone coverage wasn't his specialty, but like you said, when given opportunities, he made plays, he was able to rely on his athleticism and his instincts. Uh, and the more reps that he gets, the better he will get into that zone. And, you know, wherever you're drafted, whether it's first round, second round, your position matters in terms of the, uh, the comfort level of getting used to it or acclimated to it in the NFL. And, you know, goes back to Benford. Benford played in a very zone heavy scheme in college. It's why he was able to step in as a rookie and uh, start meaningful games for this team out of the gate. He knew the system. He knew how to play it. He knew the techniques, Uh, but there are other positions or other players that it's taken longer for them to get in for every Josh Allen, and and no longer with the team, but Tremaine Edmonds, who also started right out of the gate for this team. There are offensive linemen that needed some time to get acclimated. There have been tight ends that were eased in. Uh, Wide receivers took Gabe Davis some time to really get his opportunity behind some veterans. So it just does take that time, and you're right, though. When it comes to Elam, when it comes to the skill set, the natural ability, the, the ability to kind of close gaps on Uh, Using his speed, using his athleticism. uh, I would like to see him get more opportunities because, again, you, you know, you want your best guys out there. And the only way for him to eventually climb to being that top guy or the second best guy at cornerback is to give him those live reps.
1: All right. uh, Just updating the page here. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel as well. We are so grateful for the support that we receive on a daily and weekly basis on this podcast. And we're taking it to the next level. Uh, Sign up to be a shout Buffalo Bills insider right now. Don't waste any more time. You will get every text for the rest of training camp. Uh, basically for free. I mean, you get a two-week free trial, uh, and this is the best time to do it. Just kind of get a feel for what it's like to have us uh, being just a text message away. Uh, You can text 716-528-6727, 716-528-6727. All right, let's go to the offensive line next, Ryan, Um, because while we can kind of dive into where guys lined up, I thought it was very interesting today that the offensive line that lined up was probably like the betting favorite. If you go back a couple months, Deion Dawkins, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morris, uh, Ryan Bates at right guard, and then Spencer Brown, not a lot of surprises here. I think Osiris Torrance, like we've talked about, is going to have to work his way into that first into those first team reps. And that to me is going to be what we kind of watch for, because I think Connor McGovern, where they signed him at in free agency, free agency, pretty much locked him into one of those starting guard spots. They're going with him at the on the left side. So they obviously like him uh, perhaps over Bates and and Bates is now there at right guard, uh, as kind of almost like a placeholder, I think for Torrance.
0: Yeah. And you know, a placeholder could be a, a whole season, depending on Torrance's play in practice, depending on how he holds up against some of these defensive linemen he'll see in the preseason. And, uh, when he gets opportunities in regular season games, it could be a half season or a few games, but Bates is a versatility. It goes back to what we've said numerous times. It could end up uh, hurting his case to be a regular starter on this team because you can plug him in at both guard spots. You can plug him in at center. You can even plug him in at right tackle if need be. He's that good of a player uh, to be able to play in so many different spots that uh, his time in the starting lineup could eventually go. In terms of Connor McGovern, you know, the bills were up against it in terms of the cap this offseason. But they went out and they made him kind of that priority signing. He was one of the first guys that they targeted that gave him a nice contract. Um, And like I mentioned in a podcast a week or two ago, even the Dallas coaching staff said, hey, his best football is in front of him. And he played some pretty good reps for us when called upon and when needed. And I like him slotted in at uh, left guard because to me, that's going to be the strength of this offensive line. You have Deion Dawkins, you have Mitch Morris, uh, obviously at center, but then you you put in a McGovern there, and you know that can be the sign that side that you run after, run behind, I should say. Uh, that will be that side that you can count on, and you know that's not to say that Spencer Brown and Ryan Bates or eventually Osiris Torrance can't be counted on there, but. You feel really good about that one side of the line and you can kind of run things through it, funnel things through it. The short yardage plays, uh, there's going to be a lot that they can do in that scenario. So I I like the way this first uh, team unit is is right now. It's like you said, the betting favorite. There could be some movement in time. There are many guards in play. uh, But for the most part, I think that I wouldn't be shocked, I guess, if week one, this is the starting lineup.
1: Jeremy Doctor comes surging into the chat over on YouTube with a couple. We're going to get to Kincaid in a second. Not a lot of Taylor rap today. He primarily worked on the second team. And then he says to move on from the dig drama. We already talked about that. We already moved on, Jeremy. Moved Stay on. with us. Maybe he was late <laughs> into the chat. So uh, uh, welcome in, Jeremy. We'd love to have you here. Chef, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Let's move next to the middle linebacker competition. One of the um, competitions, the hottest ones of of training camp, Uh, people are are kind of paying attention to it. I tweeted out that you know Von Miller seeing Tyrell Dotson on the first team today was like caught off guard that there was even a competition at middle linebacker because in his eyes Tyrell Dotson was out there. So that's the middle linebacker, right? Uh, He kind of said it tongue in cheek. I don't I don't know how serious he was, but um, you know Tyrell Dotson is a guy that I think has earned. Uh, respect in the locker room. And I think that when you talk about Tyrell Dotson to other players on the team, like this feels like his big shot, right? Like this is his chance to really win the job. He has such a head start on everybody else in terms of the terminology, the defense what the role of middle linebacker, what you're asked to do in this defense. And I think in the end, Sean McDermott has proven over the years that he's going to probably go with the guy he's most comfortable with and understands the scheme the most. And to me, that's why I think Dotson, you know, we probably should have been talking even more about him over the last couple of weeks. But today he set, uh, he set the stage, if you will. He threw down the gauntlet to Terrell Bernard and Dorian Williams, who, by the way, Dorian Williams really primarily played um, off ball today. Uh, on that second team, third team. Um, it was mostly Terrell Bernard at the mic on the second team. Dorian Williams kind of sprinkled in. And a Dorian Williams' uh, splash play, though, uh, wasn't an interception. It wasn't a fumble force or a recovery. But he did get sent in, uh, rushing the passer, got his hands up, batted down a pass, which I think was really good. Uh, let me bring out my handy-dandy notebook. I don't want to give you faulty information. Just listen to the, to the pages <laughs> flip. Um, yeah, it was a uh, a Matt Barkley pass that was broken up by um, Dorian Williams. But I, I think you have to be excited about that. You know, him making starting to feel more comfortable. But I I do think maybe they've reassessed things from the point of the spring where Sean McDermott talked about him running at, at, at the middle linebacker spot and said, you know, maybe this might be too much too soon. We like what we've seen from Terrell Bernard over the course of uh, the spring. And then you kind of dial it down to those two guys, but the play Ryan, and then I'll let you react to all of this. It was to Dawson Knox, Josh Allen, probably one of his best throws of the day feathers in a, uh, a really nice touch pass on the sideline, maybe 15, 16 yards down the field and Dotson Real veteran feel to the play, like lets the play develop. He was in a really tough spot. I thought he was running with him stride for stride. He was in pretty good coverage, but the player makes the play. Dawson Knox makes the catch. But Heady on Dotson's part to then reach his arm in and rip the ball out before uh, Knox is able to get out of bounds. The ball drops to the floor. It's an incomplete pass, and that is a huge play for Tyrell Dotson as he's trying to stack those big plays over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you kind of almost have to be happy for a Tyrell Dodson. Imagine coming into a team where, you know, every player wants to be a starter in this league. And you come into a team where you have Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds as your your top two linebackers. There's no path to that starting job minus an injury taking place. And he did step in when those players went down with injuries. And now you, you have Tremaine Edmonds sign a big contract with Chicago Bears. And all of a sudden, that opportunity is there. And he knows the system. Like you said, he knows the terminology and and something else that Sean McDermott said today uh, leads me to believe that he is the heavy, overwhelming favorite to win this job, Matt. He said, uh, McDermott said, if it's up to him, he would like that middle linebacker to wear the green dot for communication. And when you're looking at Terrell Bernard year two, he might have a very good grasp on this system and he might let his athleticism take over and really make a case for himself. But, Dodson knows the ins and outs of this defense he he's been in it for so long maybe he wasn't getting the reps uh, of a uh, Edmonds obviously but now that that chance is there he's going to have the chance to show what he can do and like you said uh, you know being in this system for so long he's just going to be able to let his instincts take over on the field he's not going to be worrying like I think Bernard did a year ago when he was drafted by this team like Dorian Williams might be now in, in terms of uh, you know, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? You have so much going on in your head that you can't let your natural talent or ability carry you to, to do what you're supposed to do. I think with Dodson, it's just kind of another day in the park. He knows everything he's supposed to be doing. He's going to be able to communicate that to the defense. And that, to me, does make him the odds on favorite for that job.
1: And then Brandon Bean added a, a point today when he was asked about the middle linebacker position and said, listen, these. These guys are all going to play. They're all going to get a chance to play in the preseason, and you may not know until closer to, you know, roster cutdown day who is really pulling ahead in this thing. And like, it's easy to kind of react. It's fun to to, to track this thing over the course of training camp, all these practices. But it's probably, you know, for as much as the the big plays in practice matter and the performances in the um, uh, preseason games matter, you want somebody that's comfortable running the job. So I think that you make a great point there in terms of. Handing over that responsibility to one of these guys, Dotson probably is the most likely to be able to handle it all. Um, let's move on to the offense and there was a couple of guys that I kind of wanted to dive into here. Uh, the skill position players and it is 4'10", which means an only in the train is walking by. <laughs> Babe, bay. it's my favorite part See? of training camp, dude.
0: The train knows it's training camp season. It's it's getting its call in. You can hear it. Uh, you know, I'm glad though we're going to talk a little bit of offense here, Matt, because we actually had quite a few uh, subtext questions about this offense. Do you mind if I throw some your way?
1: I would not mind at all.
0: Bring them to me, my friend. All right, our friends Aiden and Phil wanted to know anything on Trent Sherfield today.
1: So let's start on Sherfield, and I think that. Two things. One, he's moving around a lot. And Josh mentioned that in his post-practice press conference that you know having a guy that could kind of flip around, do multiple things, he's proving to be like that ultra versatile player. And so um, I think there's going to be a role in the offense for him. I think he's obviously that special teams guy that can contribute there as well in some of those phases. Uh, But there was two plays today. Uh, One was actually where I thought he beat Tredavious White. And it was down the left sideline. Trey was playing physical in the route. And that's what you want to see from a guy like, you know, being also mentioned that Tredavious White is in this great headspace coming into camp after making it, kind of pushing through all the obstacles of last season, which I think if you're a Bills fan, you're really excited to hear that. But I thought, you know, Trey White was battling out there today in one rep. I mean, he was locked up with with Trent Sherfield, and maybe it gets flagged for pass interference. They got hung up. I don't know if it was just tripped up. I'm not sure, but... Sherfield couldn't break free and then react quick enough to, or like get ramped up quick enough to, to kind of run down the ball. So it ended up being an incomplete pass. But I have you know shorter um, incompletion from Allen um, there. Then I had him later in practice uh, a, a completion from where is it Matt Barkley? Um, he was all over the place and, and they were moving him around, doing different things with him. I think Deontay Hardy to me and Khalil Shakir, what they do in this offense is, you know, they both were working in the slot today. And we could talk a little bit about m- both those guys uh, in greater detail in a moment. But I think Sherfield. As much as I thought Hardy and, and Shakir can be that like different flavor, do everything. I think that I might pivot off of that and move more towards Sherfield in that role of somebody that can kind of just be what you need him to de- be on, the, on a week to week basis. Diggs misses time. Diggs needs a breath. You throw him in there for him. Gabe comes out. You need a good blocking wide receiver to go in for him. He can play there. He can be a big slot. All these kinds of different things.
0: I think that's a a great way of putting it. When it comes to Trent Sherfield, you know, this is obviously still a very pass heavy offense, but there's going to be times where they line up looking like they're going to run the ball. And Sherfield was uh, Pro Football Focus's number one blocking receiver last year. So he's probably going to be that guy that comes in and lines up and on passing plays where they, you know, they're trying to fool teams into thinking they're running. I think that's where he's going to get those opportunities to make big plays in this passing offense. And like you said, he can spell Diggs, he can spell Davis when. Uh, they need a little breather off on the side. You can get a few reps here and there in the slot, too. Uh, but there's so many mouths to feed that there's going to be maybe a, a sp- more of a specific floating role for him in terms of, hey, when we need you to do this, you're our guy to call on. Uh, but I, I still have high expectations for Sherfield. But, a, you know, a name you mentioned, Deontay Hardy, quite a few questions in the subtext about him as well. Um, we had one asking about, you know, how did he look today in terms of, did he look as explosive as we've heard about him in the spring? Uh, they asked a little bit about kick and punt returns too, but let's start with the wide receiver aspect of it. How did Deontay Hardy look today?
1: Uh, one more I want to add in here, seven on seven. So not as important. I mean, there's no pass rush and not that there's a great pass rush without pads anyway, but uh Shearfield did have a touchdown working against Trey white in that period. So uh, worth kind of adding in there, you know, Again, it's, you know, Hardy to me, what flashes the most about him is his his speed, his quickness. We've talked about this plenty, but he he showed off the hands today. He made one of the plays of the day, probably the offensive catch of the day when he got up. And it was a throw from, um, let me bring it up here, uh, Kyle Allen. And man, Deontay Hardy is the smallest guy out there. You see him. When you notice him, you notice how much smaller he is than everybody else. He got up sky for a catch. And we were standing at the other end of the field. I was standing next to Josh. Reed and Sal Capaccio, we were kind of just talking about uh, a couple of different things and we saw the play and we kind of all turned to each other and was like, that was like insane athleticism to get up and go get that ball. Um, he plays bigger than his frame, which I think is exciting, knowing how much he has from a speed perspective. And again, they just do... Different things with him as well. He was the primary uh, punt and kick return guy today. Khalil Shakir worked in that role as well. So not a lot of surprise there. Those are the two names that have been kind of discussed here in the last couple of days.
0: Yeah, when you're five six, you got to get up for most balls, I think, in, in an offensive setting. But it, it, it's good to hear though that the hands were on display, making a great catch. We know about the speed uh, we saw in 2021, especially in his time with the Saints, how he could just get downfield and get behind defenders and make big plays and add the yards after the catch after that matter. Uh, so, uh, you know, if I'm a Bills fan, I think I would be very excited about what he could bring to this offense because of the attention that Stefan Diggs is going to get every single snap when he's out there on the field, because of the attention that Gabe Davis gets. And teams are going to be focusing in on the Dalton Kincaid, who so we can talk about here in a minute, the Dawson Knoxes of the world. There's so many other guys that you have to pay attention to, and obviously Josh Allen as well, uh, not just with his arm, but with his legs that – a guy like Deontay Hardy can fly under the radar and literally fly with that speed and and make big plays for this offense. So I, I really do think that him playing bigger than his size, being able to use that speed, he could be a, a big difference maker for this offense. Uh,
1: one thing, uh, bigger picture, we could talk about, and we'll transition to Dalton Kincaid in a moment, but I just want to talk a minute about Josh Allen's day. And again, we're not overreacting to anything here. So, you know, save those comments. It's This is more of just passing along the observations, what happened in the field. And, you know, I think Josh Allen was the first to kind of say it after practice. Like, you know, it wasn't a great day, like passing the ball. Like it just wasn't Chris. There's days you go out and watch him practice and he's slinging it around the field and everything's working. And today it was just, everything felt kind of like hard. And they were working with a lot, with, with a lot of, through a lot of stuff communication wise early in practice. Um, then when they got into it, I just think, you know, he just wasn't on the same page with Gabe Davis. I have three incompletions. Uh, to Davis logged in the notebook. One was just a short play. where we he was trying to fit one in. He's kind of like looking through the uh, through the forest, through the trees and trying to wait for Davis to open up. And it just didn't work out. And um, there was a couple deep plays down the right sideline, same kind of thing, except those weren't like really even in the vicinity of Davis. So just miscommunication, working to get on the same page. But I've done this long enough to know, Ryan, one day at practice, Josh Allen could look like absolute uh, a mess. And the next day it could look exactly like he does most days and and turn it up to 100
0: yeah you can tell we've been working together for a long time because i was literally just going to mention that i said if you go back and look at the last few years at training camp it's you know there it's not a roller coaster all training camp but for a down day he'll come back and he'll fire uh what would be four or five touchdowns in a practice and he'll be able to throw the ball down the field accurately and not you know not have many misses so first day getting back a lot of the times at these uh, training camp practices early on the defense wins the day. We're not saying that either, but uh, no surprise in terms of maybe the offense having some communication issues out of the gate. A lot of new people uh, on this team, both rookies and uh, free agent signings.
1: Um, Shakir took most of the the, the reps that I noticed and I wrote down uh, came out of the slot. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, he did line up the boundary, but again, it's something that he's done before and one of the things they love about him. So I don't know if that, that was a question from AJ uh, in the chat. Uh, let's get to Kincaid here because... You know, Josh Allen was asked specifically about Kincaid uh, by me today. Actually, I asked that question Um, and I I wanted to read his response because I just asked about his progress because when he came in, Ken Dorsey dumped water on everybody's um, excitement. You know, Bill's Mafia's excitement about his potential role in the offense saying like, we'll see. We'll let he'll learn us. We'll learn him and then we'll figure it out. And so I want to know, like from the spring to now, like what, how much has he progressed? And Allen said, Quite a bit. He's a guy that he's very smart, instinctive. He's got a good feel out there. The more that he gets comfortable and incorporated into our offense and into our scheme, the more confidence that he's going to have. He's fun to throw to. I'll tell you that he's got a good body language and he made some plays out there today. And we're going to continue to grow on that. And he did make some plays out there today. A couple touchdowns had some in the seven on seven. Um, let me see where the other one I had him at. He had one of the touchdowns in seven on seven came back, uh, with an Allen to, uh, Kincaid in the red zone. It wasn't for a touchdown, but it was one-on-one in coverage against Matt Milano. So I put a little asterisk there because I mean, you can't get a tougher assignment as a rookie tight end than Matt Milano in open space, uh, albeit without pads on. Uh, so he has the catch there and then he even worked in on the second team with a catch from Kyle Allen at one point, you know, he was just, He's very consistent. I don't remember the last time he dropped the pass. I think it was on rookie minicamp was the last time I remember mm-hmm. dropping one. When the ball goes his way, he finds a way to make plays. And you can tell that there's just this building confidence. Nobody wants to put too much pressure on him. And I understand that. But, man, it's it's hard not to get excited when you see what he does. And I also think the, the most important thing Allen said there was his body language. He made sure to emphasize that. That, to me, was like – The Cole Beasley connection—that's what unlocked that. Was like his body language and Allen just being on the same page and and knowing what he was going to do on the field before he even did it. Sometimes because of how they communicated non-verbally.
0: Yeah, when you mentioned you know the the lack of drops, it takes you back to the embedded video where someone in the the Bills uh, war room there pretty much said, "Hey, you know, best hands I've seen in eight years in terms of evaluating prospects." Uh if he can create that separation, get open, be on the same page with Josh Allen. Ken Dorsey can kind of splash water on all he wants, but he's gonna be a big part of this offense. Like I said, if it comes down to the chemistry with Allen, being able to get open. Uh there's gonna be so many different personnel packages that they can utilize him in, two tight end sets. You can have him as the number one tight end at times to put him in the slot. Uh, there's just so many ways to utilize a guy like that, and uh While some years the first round pick like a Kyrie may not get those reps because of uh, comfort, because of the scheme, Uh, a guy like Kincaid, I think, can come in here because of his athleticism, because of his talent, his hands and make a major impact out of the gate. Um,
1: Speaking of making an impact, Ryan, we're trying to make an impact out of the gate by, uh, you know providing fans all of the up to the minute updates and analysis on the shout Buffalo bills insiders text line. Uh, if you want to subscribe to this thing, we highly recommend it. Head over to join subtext com slash backwards slash, uh, what is it? Bills shout Buffalo bills. Um, the link is in the description on YouTube and all the audio platforms. Um, you put your number in there, and it signed you up right away. We're super excited, Ryan. I can't even keep up with you half the time. You're so fast on that thing.
0: Yeah, you know, well, teamwork makes the dream work. You know, I, I'm like to uh, get in there and uh, make sure that I'm responding to uh, what fans are saying back to your analysis and trying to get things back and forth. And it's been it's been a lot of fun and uh, a great segue there, Matt. We have two more. Troy wants to know how Justin Shorter was looking today, and then Debbie wants to know if there was anyone showing. Promise at the running back position on day one, stepping up, making a case for themselves.
1: It was a good day for James Cook. I mean, nothing crazy. It wasn't explosive. They weren't working a lot of the run the run game and most of it, what you do without pads on is just operational more than anything. So it's hard to kind of like extract any observations on the run game, but I thought James cook was good in both the run and the past game. He had a couple opportunities in both. I mean, he feels like RB one. I mean, you're seeing Latavius Murray work on the third team. Uh, I didn't really even notice Damian Harris today. I'm going to have to like, kind of keep my eyes open a little bit more for him tomorrow. That's not necessarily saying that he didn't do anything. They didn't do a lot of running today. So it's just, there's going to be days like that. I, it's not uh, necessarily demerits, uh, on, on Damian Harris, but in terms of, what was the other question? Justin shorter. So shorter had a couple of plays. The first things first, like I always like debate whether or not I even want to mention something like this. Cause I don't want to start a narrative based on one little play in practice, but it's like sometimes simple things to me stand out. And it's like, you watch hours over the course of seasons of, of these guys running through wide receivers, running through the individual work and doing the, you know, catching the passes from the coaches and then the quarterbacks. And like, you just don't see drops. You really just don't see a lot of drops. I mean, if it's a bad pass here and there, there was one today and they were running through part of the thing and and shorter, just dropped one that was like right in his hands. And it was just one play, but it was like, man, it's just like I can't remember a time somebody dropped one that easy. Like, you know what I mean? Now it's happened. I guarantee you it's happened. Maybe I didn't even see it, but it was one that like kind of stuck out to me. He had one play in the back of the end zone. Allen kind of evaded the pocket. It would have been an unbelievable play had shorter, been able to haul it in. It was a tough throw. He's throwing it on the run. Couldn't make the catch. I believe it touched his hands, but it would have been an insane catch. It was really high level of difficulty. Couldn't make it. Um, but those are those kinds of opportunities that can get kind of the coaches to get excited, eye opening type of play. Um, but yeah, that to me was the one play where, you know, it just it didn't get it. But he was working against um, uh, the, the rush was pretty intense. And it was, he was going up against Christian Benford in coverage, who again had an unbelievable game day to day. And I thought, you know, was made that route even extra difficult because of the coverage. So there you have it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a few minutes ago, you mentioned a tough assignment for Kincaid going against a guy like Milano. I, I think a late round pick like Justin Shorter getting it, uh, a Christian Benford's a tough assignment, too. So, you know, like you said, you don't want to read too much into one play. It's still very early. And then going back to Debbie's question on the running backs, um, they're not in pads right now. They're not getting utilized a lot right now in the next week or two, uh, whenever those pads come on. Maybe we'll be able to give more details about, you know, how are the running backs looking? Are they, uh, is Harris and Murray as physical as we anticipate? Stuff like that. But day one, kind of low key when it comes to the running back position. Shorter, though, you know, there's a job at wide receiver six, possibly up for grabs. He needs to definitely step up to uh, ensure himself to be in that role.
1: Um, in the comments, thanks to producer Peter, uh, who mentions that, uh, Spencer Brown, uh, asking about how he looked today, you know, so Leonard Floyd, I saw that earlier asked too, and, and I, you know, I meant to bring it back up. He's, he's kind of getting sprinkled in with the ones right now. We saw a good amount of AJ Epinesa in as well. Opposite Greg Rousseau. Floyd got a little run there as well. Forget. I mean, he signed in June. I mean, he's still getting acclimated. I, I'd be surprised if, you know, um, if, if it's not just a few days before we see him full go 100% on the first team, even coming off the field today, I just, you could tell, you could, you get the sense just reading his body language that he's still just getting comfortable. And so he wasn't out there a ton. I didn't really notice him a ton. And I think the lack of big splash plays from the defensive line today. Gives you the indication that I thought the offensive line played good. The first team Um, Spencer Brown included. I mean, he was working against, you know, all the edge rushers at different times and uh, held up pretty well. Um, I thought A.J. Epinesa is the one guy today that kind of popped for me a little bit. Him and actually Kingsley Jonathan had a really good rush. Uh, No sacks, although I think I did write down one sack. I'll let you talk about that for a second, Ryan, while I look this up, because I think there was one sack today.
0: Yeah, AJ Epinesa, six and a half sacks one year ago. I, I feel like uh, it flew under the radar, and, and now when you have Leonard Floyd and you're eventually going to have Von Miller back in the fold, uh, Greg Rousseau is your top three. Uh, Epineza has a really good chance to kind of stake his claim as that fourth guy out of the gate, but he needs a strong camp, and and it's not just when the pads aren't on. We want to see him carry this over here in the next few days and weeks and then into the the preseason, but it it did seem like a light went on for him a little bit last year. Uh, He flashed more. He's always been top in the league in terms of that uh, get off speed, getting up to the, you know, making contact or getting past the D line. But then he's struggled a little bit with his pass rush arsenal. So need to see a little bit more of that this year. As for Kingsley, Jonathan, uh, I put out an article on the site today about sleepers to watch on defense. And it was such a small sample size, but his performance against the bears last year was just one of those games that stuck out in my mind where he was someone that just, he came to play and, he stopped Justin Fields on a read option and he had a run stop for a loss. Uh Bills liked him enough to bring him back to their practice squad last year after they lost him to the Bears at one point in the season. So he's someone too that a strong camp and he, you know, he makes enough noise. And one of these veterans, one of these players in front of him in the defensive end room or the edge rusher room, uh could be on the trade market, could be let go. So uh promising to hear both of those two guys having uh at least having a, a strong player too, today at camp.
1: Yeah. So on the sack, I did not write it down. There's a comment in here that said he thinks uh, Kyle Allen got sacked once late. I think that that is accurate, uh, but I didn't have it written down. The two guys that I had com- coming close once was Epinesa and a- another was uh Taron Johnson uh, on the throw to Gabriel Davis. Uh, but again, no pads yet. Uh, I think Torres too makes makes a really great point. I mean, we talked ad nauseum about Epinesa last year, popping uh, in training camp. I mean, this has got to be this has got to be the year where it transitions to the field. Uh, you see it a little bit more uh, consistently out there. Uh, anything else, Ryan? I think that was. Uh,
0: yeah, no, I, that was about uh, all the comments that I saw in the insider text group, and you went did a good job going through a lot of the observations that you had put out there in the in the group as well. So I think you kind of have it all covered.
1: Yeah, so tomorrow, just to, for a little schedule, we got practice tomorrow, and then on Friday we will have practice shows for all of those. Then really gets ratcheted up on Sunday, baby.
0: Pads go on. That's going to be the first one. Are you going to be out here Sunday, Ryan? I'm going to be out here Sunday. I'm going to be out there Friday. I am excited. Uh, then the following nice we week, I believe, following Friday is the, at the stadium, correct? Yep. Uh, and then I'll be there for that. And then the following Sunday. So, you, you know, some Friday and Sunday, uh, Prino and Talbot uh, on the field at training camp cannot wait.
1: The most excited, exciting part of your trip is getting in the dorm room here, sitting right next to me right here. I'll pull up a chair. That's right. Get comfy. We'll talk about uh, bill's football in the in the dorm room um little housekeeping here uh we have another wing nuts event coming up. I cannot wait it is big time. We are taking the show on the road. We are going to Dorado on Park Avenue in Rochester. Wingnuts is actually driving from Buffalo to Rochester, bringing all the goodies and they're going to have a pop-up stand right inside Dorado. So you can get some Mexican food. You can get some chicken wings, drink some great drinks, some beers, some uh, uh, specialty cocktails, all that good stuff. Um, and then we're going to do a live show podcast from Dorado in Rochester. It is August 7th, 6 p.m. If you're in Rochester, if you're going to make the, if you want to make the drive, uh, we'll still do a later in the month wing nuts event back in Buffalo, but this is a special camp edition. We've been, we've been dying to get to Rochester, Ryan, and and we are, we are headed out that way.
0: Yeah. We cannot wait for this event at Dorado Monday, August 7th. Be there. Bill's mafia.
1: Great question from Torres Tube. question. Was solitaire more fun than pink? Um, So my wife, um, we were, first of all, pink was not on when I was playing solitaire, but she got a picture of me in the, uh, at the, at the Rogers center in Toronto, we were there for the pink concert on Monday night and it's her, one of her favorites. I mean, she is, by the way, live show, she was outstanding, but the, the, the early acts were on and. You know, I, I was listening, I was vibing, I, I liked the I liked the music, but I was multitasking. I, I had the phone out, I was playing some solitaire. She got a picture, posted it on Twitter. That's where that question comes. I I will say pink was more fun than solitaire, right?
0: <laughs> there you go. And one more question in here from Michelangelo Morales. I love the name. Uh, what about O-Lineman, Osiris Torrance? You did mention him earlier, but it, it, I think uh, Michelangelo came into the uh, show a little bit late. Any any initial impressions you mentioned playing a little bit on the, the second team, uh, how he looked in his first practice?
1: One, one impression, and I was mentioning this to Josh Reed when I was talking to him uh, on the sideline late in practice, he is there's so much room for him to grow into his body like i think like year three osiris torrance is going to be a super big big problem i still think he has the potential to be a problem this year i'm not trying to you know deflate those tires but one of the things that i observe from him is something that goes back to when brandon bean mentioned how much he they look at him as like an anchor type player right like get your feet set get stuck in the ground and and just stop defensive alignment from pushing forward. And you saw that today. I mean, there, there's no pads. And so you can't really like, you know, get in there and get as physical as you want, but guys trying to advance on him. And this is a defensive line. When you're talking about Puna Ford, um, Tim settle guys that, you know, have, have some, you know, skins on the wall, if you will, in this league that have done it. Um, that's the kind of guys he's going to face against while he's on that second team. So some really good reps from him today. And I noticed that specifically on one play where it was like, all right, he took a couple steps, got into a set and then it just stopped for the defensive lineman. Uh, so a good day one for Torrance, but we're going to continue to watch as this thing kind of plays out.
0: And the fact that they have so much depth options that, you know, Bates obviously, and they brought in McGovern and, uh, he, he, they brought in Edwards, they have Ike Butker, they have so many other guys that as great as it would be if he is a mauler and great in year one, they don't necessarily need him to be. And like you said, year three, he's going to be a nightmare growing into that body. Year two, he could be a starter and a nightmare growing after growing into that body, getting a full off season to work on his frame. Uh, it's a good problem to have in terms of having a guy like that waiting in the wings and not necessarily have to press him onto the field.
1: You don't have to wait for wings. If you come to Wing Nuts on August 7th, 6 p.m., it's at Dorado for one night old. And you get a Wing Nuts anytime you want if you live in Buffalo. But come out in Rochester. We're going to have a fun time. We can't wait. We'll be be right back tomorrow. It is day two of training camp. We will bring you all of our observations. In the meantime, sign up for the Shout Buffalo Bills. Text Insider we will give you everything first there. We'll talk about everything happening in practice long before we ever go live on the show. You can steer the ship, too. Tell us what you want us to talk about and we'll get after it. Have a great night, everybody.
0: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.